What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Hey, it's Martine. Before we start today's show, I just want to talk to you about subscriptions. On Post Reports, we bring you stories from across the country and around the world about the big events and urgent issues affecting all of our lives. And the work we do is ambitious. Right now, I'm out on a reporting trip working on a big story that I'm so excited to share with you. That kind of work is only possible because of the support of listeners like you who subscribe to The Washington Post. If you're not a subscriber yet, now is a great time to start. And if you are, you can gift a Washington Post subscription to someone in your life that could use this kind of valuable reporting. Check out our latest subscription deal at postreports.com offer. To me, in my head, it's kind of like dating a little bit. Like, you're literally sitting down and you're kind of just figuring out if you like this person and if you want this to be potentially the other half of your child. This is Reese Brooks. She's 29 years old and she's a Black lesbian living in Newark, Delaware. Reese has been so ready to be a parent for so long. And she says, if you think dating is hard, imagine spending hundreds of hours on top of a regular full-time job searching sperm banks. That's what Reese did, because she wanted to find the right sperm donor, a Black sperm donor. Initially, when I started searching for a donor for my daughter, I chose um, any for the ID category. The height was any... I, I did choose black at first. I chose an African-American donor at first. And the hair color was any, the eye color was any, the education was graduate. And I received about three that popped up on the search and I didn't, I didn't like any of the donors. But compared to if he was of another race, you would have a lot more pages and pages of options. You see, Reese wasn't being especially picky. There just aren't a lot of options for people looking for a Black sperm donor. Less than 2% of sperm donors in the U.S. are Black. Amber Ferguson is a senior video editor for The Post. By connecting with Reese and dozens of other current and aspiring Black parents, she discovered just how big of a problem this shortage really is. I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. I was in a meeting at 2 p.m. and there were six Black donors and it said three of them were new. And then by 4 p.m., one of them had sold out and it went down to five donors. By the next day, it was down to four donors. And I just checked before recording this and now it's down to three donors. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Jordan Marie Smith, it's Friday, October 21st. Today, the agonizing choice that many aspiring Black parents face, and what's behind the scarcity of Black sperm donors in this country. Oh, mommy's so proud of you. Good job. Yeah.
So, Amber, let's start at the beginning. Why do people go to sperm banks in the first place? People go to sperm banks if they are single or in same-sex relationships or men who experience male factor infertility. And so they go to sperm banks, also known as cryobanks, and they get pregnant usually through IUI, which is interuterine insemination, or IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. So women who do IUI, it means that they're getting sperm implanted into them. And women who do IVF, it means that they have to do an egg retrieval and then sperm is mixed with the egg that creates an embryo. So it takes a lot for a woman or a couple to go to a sperm bank. And once they do, they actually get really excited. And the woman I spoke to were excited. They're like, oh, I get to pick the height, the eye color, the hair color. But for a Black woman, when she goes to search, she's quickly disappointed. So the wait list for an in-demand white donor is about three months. But for a Black donor, that's up to 18 months. You know, I'm a Black woman, so I kind of get the reasons, some of the reasons, why it'd be so important to have your own Black child if you are a Black woman. But for some of the people that you've spoken with, why was it so important for them to have a Black child? They all said that they wanted a child that looked like them. They wanted a child that had their same shared identity. Other women said they didn't want to be mistaken for being a nanny or not being their child's biological mother. And if they're single, it makes it a lot easier when their child looks like them because they wouldn't have to answer questions. Mm-hmm. And some of those questions can be especially biting if it's like, why does your, why does your child not look like you? Exactly. There's nothing wrong with having a biracial child. There's nothing wrong with having mixed kids. But there is also nothing wrong with desiring a Black child when you are a Black woman. And it's hard because if it's a white woman, she could just so easily get a sperm donor. And if it doesn't work, she can get another one. She can get another one. For a Black woman, no. If she is lucky enough to find a Black donor, it's really maybe one of her only chances. And... Vials of sperm cost between $950 and $1,300 a vial. And most doctors will tell you to buy multiple vials because your first or second or sometimes third IUI or IVF attempt might not work. So for women, they're like, this vial is $1,300. If it doesn't work, they have to go to the next one. And the next one, those costs really add up. So, Amber, tell me about Reese Brooks. Walk me through her experience when it came to trying to get pregnant in the first place. Reese Brooks spent about 800 hours trying to find a Black donor to conceive a baby, and she was unsuccessful in doing that. So after about a year of searching, she expanded her search, and she chose a Latino donor. He's Peruvian. He's 5'10". She liked that he did MMA fighting, and she was able to have her healthy daughter, Zuri. What's up? It's almost nap time. I love how every day, like, her personality is just starting to blossom. Um, I'm starting to identify the things that she likes and and her dislikes, her favorite toys. What are you going to do? She makes trendy videos and educational videos with her daughter. 
based off trending sounds, a kind of dance videos. And she'll like hold her daughter. Let's get into it. It's giving me major, uh, what? I thought a ball baby said something. And she receives a good amount of online hate about having a biracial child. Some of them are just like, did you really carry her? You can't be the mom. Others saying, oh, of course she's light-skinned, or you only wanted a mixed baby, or you don't like being black, and just really hateful things like that, and ignorant things too. Black women who need donor sperm do not have a choice of having black sperm, or they have such limited choices. And it's just another challenge when it comes to accessing quality health care for Black women. And supply fluctuates every day, but as of mid-September, um, our Washington Post analysis showed that there are only 13 Black donors out of 750 donors overall in the U.S.'s four largest sperm banks. And the pool mostly consists of white and Asian donors, and Black and Hispanic donors are su- significantly underrepresented But really, it's Black donors that represent the least amount of donors. That is surprising because you're saying like 13 out of more than 700 people. Um, I spoke to a heterosexual couple, Kevin and Cassandra Ortiz, who he's Black and Puerto Rican and she's Latina. And he's been paralyzed since 2012. They're a young couple. He's 32. She's 30. They're high school sweethearts. And a couple months ago, testing showed that he produces no viable sperm and that they need a sperm donor. I was drinking coffee and I seen an, like an email notification saying new donor available. I looked at it. It was African-American. A new Black donor showed up on California Cryer Bank and he would have a medium complexion just like Kevin height was you know similar so I hurry up and call Kevin and she was calling me and texting me because a new donor that looked like me popped up so I just you know what I'm like let me just go ahead and call now because even though it says new donor, this is African-American and a, an African-American donor. And I know these, this one like goes fast. So I call. Especially if they're tall. And, well. and if they're tall. So I call. She called 20 minutes later to try to purchase files from them. And they said. And the lady's like, actually, this donor literally just sold out like in the last five minutes. Just like, are you serious? Like, wow. Yeah, but then at the same time, that shows you how many people are kind of looking. So a Black donor was on the site, and within 15 minutes, he sold out. So for people who are looking for these donations from Black men, where are they going if they can't (laughs) find something at just the cryobank that's supposed to be able to supply them with what they need? 
So these women are going to unregulated Facebook groups and these apps. One app is called Just a Baby, and it's just like Tinder or Hinge where you can swipe on a donor. And I found this out because I interviewed one Black woman in Georgia named Leslie Fickling, and she used the app to find her donor. She did originally go to the Cryra Banks, but it was just too expensive for her. And so she found this app through a Facebook group she was in, and literally you're just swiping on a donor. And so she found a black man, and he lived in her state of Georgia, and they met up, they went to a hotel, and also she's a lesbian woman. And at first they used this DIY kit that had like an ovulation test and like a cup and a syringe, and that didn't work. And so the second time they used that DIY kit, but they also had sex, and she did get pregnant. And it worked out for her, and she's told me she didn't have any regrets, but she didn't have any legal contract in place either. But on the other side, I interviewed a couple, Maya and Shanti Skye, who live in Maryland, and they initially did, you know, the cryobank path. They did 10 IUIs and they spent $20,000. They literally drained their bank account and it didn't work. And then um, Maya, she connected with a man and, you know, they were just kind of talking about um, fertility and how they both wanted to become parents. And the man offered his sperm. And he said, you know, as long as I remain in the child's life and Maya Googled a contract, but they never legally had any attorney look at it. And Shanti's got pregnant, but their relationship really soured and communication essentially stopped until the son was born and now that man is suing them for custody and child support and has become honestly a nightmare the couple says essentially they were just really desperate and they would have done anything really to have a child and they overlooked you know the implications of what could happen after the break why there aren't a lot of black sperm donors in the U.S. and what is and isn't being done to solve the problem. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Class is in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. So Amber, why is it so hard for people to find black sperm donors? So experts told me that in the 1980s, the majority of their customers were straight white couples who were dealing with male factor infertility. But in the last 20 years, there's been this huge shift where there's more single moms by choice and same-sex couples who are going to Cryra Banks looking for sperm. And historically, Cryobanks have not done a good job of catering to people of color. I was speaking to a Black reproductive endocrinologist and virologist, Dr. Cindy Duke, and she's in Vegas. And she was telling me that up until two years ago, it was very rare to see 
a person of color or babies of color on fertility websites and on sperm bank websites. And that was really detrimental because Black women and Black men, they didn't see themselves represented. But there's many reasons why Black men are not donating their sperm. First off, it's really a strict process to donate sperm. Um, all the cryobanks told me between like one and nine percent of applicants are even chosen. And not only does a sperm donor have to be in good health, but there's also certain genetic conditions that will like automatically disqualify a candidate if it's like if they have like the BRCA gene or even like color blindness. But also other things disqualify an applicant, such as felony convictions. And an applicant also needs to know three generations worth of their family medical history. And doctors have told me, you know, that's really difficult for some Black applicants to get that information. I'm curious about what Black men have to say about what they're thinking when it comes to should I donate I don't know about donating or anything that's preventing mm-hmm. them from donating. I spoke to about 50 Black men overall, and the majority of them told me, no, I do not want to donate. It was not until I told them the need from Black women that they were like, oh, I didn't know that. I'll think about it. You know, I spoke to a few experts that said, you know, the stereotype of Black men is that they're absentee fathers and that they don't take care of their offspring. And so now for cryobanks to turn around and say, no, we need you, that's a really big, like, mental shift that a Black man has to do. And a lot of them told me, no, I'm afraid. Like, what if I'm on the hook for child support, which wouldn't happen? And I want a relationship with my child. I don't want a bunch of offspring that I have no connection to out there. Um, And Black men... There's a real deep level of medical mistrust. Like, what are you going to do with my semen, essentially? But I did speak to one young man, Trayvon Roach Carter. Yeah, I am 26 years old. He lives in California. I'm a writer slash author of young adult fiction. And he is a gay man. And he, you know, first got the idea in 2018 to donate his sperm. My main reason was because... As a gay man, I know that when the time comes for me to have children, uh, it will be a lengthy, stressful, and also probably expensive process and just difficult altogether. And I wanted to help make things as easy for other people as possible who would be going through similar things, whether it's queer people or just people in general. And did you know there was a shortage of sperm among Black men? I I had heard that, and that was um, another reason why I wanted to donate as well, um, just because you know, pe- people deserve to be able to have families that look like them. You know, he applied and they told him, you know, wait until you graduate. So he waited to graduated with his bachelor's and master's degree, and then he reapplied in 2020. And he initially got accepted, and the next day he received an email that he was disqualified because he was gay. The FDA still bans gay donors from donating, and how it's written is men who have sex with men within the last five years are not eligible to donate their tissue, which is saying gay men are banned from donating their sperm. 
was just really upset. Um, I think it's discriminatory and like devaluing, especially like the reasoning behind it is incredibly outdated. Like the fear is sort of like illness or disease. We have the capabilities to test for these things. So the fact that they're basically just saying you're not even worth giving the chance over a very small possibility that you might be sick just contributes to a sort of stigma and stereotype that has been going on for far too long as well. He just couldn't believe that this ban was still in place. And I spoke to the Sperm Bank of California, and they told me about 10% of their applicants are automatically disqualified because they check off MSM, which is men who have sex with men. Mm. Wow. Okay, so what's being done to address this overall problem? I'm wondering if cryobanks are doing anything to bring in more Black donors. I spoke to five cryobanks, and all of them said that they're deeply committed to increasing the diversity of their donor pool. And they said that they've done a number of things. Um, One sperm bank went to African-American fraternities and student organizations to speak to them, and they said that wasn't successful. All of them have done paid advertisements and social media pushes, but it hasn't been successful. When it comes to Black men, they're just not reaching them. Michael Thomas, he's the president-elect for the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, and he says that cryobanks really need to go out into the community. They need to be in the barbershops. They need to advertise in African-American newspapers. They need to pay donors more. They need to go places where African-American men are. And that's not really what they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if there's anyone or any kind of effort outside of, like, these standard cryobanks that's being taken up by anyone to, like, change these policies and improve the situation. Yes. So I spoke to one woman, Angela Stepansik, and she started the Reproductive Village Cryobank that's opening next year in Washington, D.C., which specifically aims to recruit men of color, but specifically Black men. And her and her wife really struggled to find a Black sperm donor. She just felt like there was such a need for this. So she already has her seed funding. And right now she is doing her marketing efforts. And she's just hearing from all these women that are telling her, hurry up and open. I I will say that, you know, as you've been talking about this, I think a lot of it does surprise me, but a lot of it doesn't surprise me at the same time when you think about all of the cultural and systemic restrictions that are put against Black men. I think of, like, Tuskegee, Mm -hmm. where Black men were subjected to poor treatment from medical doctors. And I think that carries on through generations, that, that fear and that wariness. So I'm kind of interested in what surprised you in your reporting since, like, November of 2021. Two things really surprised me. Uh, One fertility advocate told me that this is putting Black women into situational infertility. And when she said that, I was like, it is. 
The black women I interviewed, they're doing everything to have a baby. They're taking the supplements. They're saving their money. They are doing everything, but they cannot find 50% of the genetic material they need to have a baby. And for black women, you know, they said, this feels like just another thing that they have to worry about. Because we already look at the high stats maternal mortality for Black women. We look at the pregnancy complications. We look at the high numbers of fibroids. And so then you have all of this that a woman goes through while she's pregnant or after she's pregnant. And then this is a huge thing she has to deal with before she even gets pregnant. And you know... There's already stereotypes and stigma for Black women who are single moms. And these women are single mothers by choice. You know, they're intending to be single moms. And over and over, I kept hearing about the Black fertility myth of how doctors, you know, believed that Black women would just get pregnant. So uh, we don't need to talk to them about fertility. There wasn't this thought that Black women wanted to intentionally get pregnant. And we've just seen in the pandemic such a large increase of Black women going to fertility clinics, not just to have a baby, but to also freeze their eggs. And once I heard this, I was like, you know, if a woman is in her late 20s or early 30s now and froze her eggs, you know, in five or 10 years, if she doesn't find a partner and needs sperm, there might not be any. I want Black women to know that this is an issue so that if they ever need sperm, they're at least prepared and maybe they can make different decisions now. But also, more Black men need to apply to be donors because if more Black men apply, then more Black men will get chosen. But they don't even know how much they're needed, so they're not even applying. Amber, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much, Sharon Marie, for having me on. Amber Ferguson is a senior video editor for The Post. Alana Gordon produced this story. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Your hosts are Alahe Azadi and Martin Powers. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Ted Muldoon is a senior producer, and our producers are Eliza Dennis, Sharla Freeland, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnik, Arjun Singh, and Renny Svernovsky. Our assistant producers are Sabi Robinson and Emma Talkoff. Sean Carter is our engineer, and the post director of audio is Renita Jablonski. I'm Jordan Marie Smith. We'll be back Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.